Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be talking about trending trailers going on over the last few days. Frozen 2 tickets have been hitting record highs and a whole lot more. But first, some news coming out once again in Gotham City. A bunch of cast news for Matt Reeves, the Batman. Over the last few weeks, we've gotten reports coming that Paul Dano is going to be playing Riddler. Zoe Kravitz is going to be playing Catwoman. And of course, we got Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. And Robert Pattinson, which was announced over the summertime as playing Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, in this new trilogy that won't be based in the DCEU, which is the one that stars Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa with Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Shazam. It's going to be its own separate thing, kind of a, a la Christopher Nolan trilogy. And we've been hearing a lot of stuff coming out. That there was still a lot of casting rumors to be coming around. There were still announcements to be made. And yesterday we had two announcements come in for both Alfred Bruce Wayne's trustee Butler and what was a ongoing mill of people through the mill, the rumor mill rather, of people going through this character. First it was Jonah Hill, but now in the role of the Penguin, it seems that Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers have come to it being Colin Farrell playing Oswell Cobblepot, aka the Penguin, and Andy Serkis will be playing Alfred Pennyworth and Bruce Wayne's Butler. And when I heard these announcements come through to me this just adds to the incredible list that is Matt Reeves the Batman again Pattinson Zoe Kravitz Jeffrey Wright Paul Dano so much diversity but also just tremendous casting these actors are on another level some of them are some of the up-and-comers in the league like Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson who over the last few years they both have gone through a lot of indie films and tv shows specifically for Zoe Kravitz with Big Little Lies and have kind of asserted themselves as being the best up best young actors and actresses in the industry while we have people like Colin Farrell and we have Paul Dano and Jeffrey Wright established already as some of the best actors working in the game right now so I think if you get that mix going in there and of course Andy Serkis who's been doing it for the last 20 years and plus more famously with Gollum and the Lord of the Rings and of course playing Caesar and establishing himself as being the godfather of when it comes to motion capture and CGI. So when you have this mixture all together, I think it creates for some incredible performances from these actors. What well, I will say, though, is A, I think Colin Farrell as the Penguin is a smart idea. I think I can definitely see him going into that role, and I think we're going to get something more along the lines of what we got in the TV show Gotham, where... I don't think we're going to see Colin Farrell in really a fat suit. I think we're going to see him kind of being more of a suave business gangster type of role with that kind of eye patch on there. That's what I envision this Penguin to be. And if you've also, if you played the Telltale series of Batman, and if you see that iteration of Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, I think that is more along the lines of what we're going to be getting with Colin Farrell than what we've gotten in the comic books and in the animated series of Batman. And so I'm really excited to see that. When it comes to Andy Serkis' Alfred, I have no doubt that Andy Serkis is going to absolutely crush it. But I think for the caliber of what Andy Serkis brings to the table, I think he's one of the best actors in the game right now. He's underutilized. What he did as A, Gollum, but also as Caesar, getting people in the in the Planet of the Apes trilogy that was directed by Rupert Wyatt and then taken to the finish line by Matt Reeves with Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes. What he was able to do and bring us 
this character that wasn't humor, that was basically computer animated, that basically had dots and animatronics on him. It's something that only a great actor could do, and especially with War of the Planet of the Apes, when we had close-ups of Caesar, and we got to see Caesar's emotions, and we and we felt for Caesar, and Caesar was our hero, our protagonist. Again, not a human. This was an ape, and Matt Reeves made us fall in love with an ape, and so did Rupert Wyatt, and I think that is a testament to them, but also to Andy Serkis, and what he did in Black Panther as well, in which he played more of a supporting role, but he can play a leading role, and I think for Andy Serkis, even though, again, Colin Farrell, I think, is going to kill it, he's going to crush it, I love what he does, I think Andy Serkis would have also fitted the role as the Penguin as well, not to say that I would have flip-flopped one or the other, but I think more along the lines of what I'm making the point to be is that Andy Serkis should have been maybe another a starting a starting character that is more along the lines of a villain. I think Andy Serkis can play a villain really, really well, unless they make Alfred this compelling, complex character that is going to have a really cool backstory that I don't know about. I just, I don't like the fact that he'll be something more along the lines of a Michael Caine or, or, or others that have played in the Batman and the role of Alfred in the Batman series so far. Hopefully he's more something that was done in, again, the Gotham series with the guy, I forget his name, who played the Alfred in that show with Ben McKenzie. I would rather see that kind of role be given to Andy Serkis, and that's what I hope they give him, something meager, because he is that actor that can sink his teeth into something great and bring out a complex, compelling performance of a character that we know or that we don't know, and so I'm hoping that Andy Sir- Matt Reeves can give Andy Serkis something incredible, but again, I'm just, I'm so excited for this cast, I, the movie comes out in June of 2021, they're going to be filming next year, I cannot wait to get set set photos and first looks and eventually the teaser trailer in sometime in 2020 and the marketing push when it ultimately comes out. Probably more towards the tail end of 2020, probably in September. Maybe we'll get a teaser trailer at Comic-Con, maybe if Warner Brothers is makes their way out there once again or we'll get something during that time or probably in the beginning of the fall in September and October as we get more in-depth before we get the rollout in 2021 of June. But I'm just really excited about this. It's it's finally formulating. After years and years of hearing that Matt Reeves is making a, a Batman movie, Matt Reeves is still making a Batman movie, and then we were saying, is he actually making a Batman movie? And then we finally get confirmation that he is making a Batman movie. He's developing, he's developing, he's developing, he's developing. When is casting coming? When are we going to get the Batman news? Yada, yada, yada. And we finally got more over the summertime. Then we got more in in the last two weeks, really, with Zoe Kravitz and Jonah Hill, all those stuff that happened with him and Penguin. And Paul Dano, literally 24 hours after saying that Jonah Hill wanted to be the Riddler, talks broke down about that. We get Paul Dano just hours later that he has been casted as the Riddler. And now we get Colin Farrell and Andy Serkis. It's just all coming together now, and I'm really excited about what we're going to get with the Batman in 2021. Guys, what do you think about this news about Colin Farrell and Andy Serkis being casted as Alfred for Andy Serkis and the Penguin for Colin Farrell? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to move on to some trending trailers that are happening around the world of Hollywood. The first one I want to get into is the big one that came out over the last few days is Bad Boys for Life, directed by Adele El and Belil Falal. It is being directed by those two and is starring once again Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, and joining them is Vanessa Hudgens and Alexander Lowick, along with Charles Meldon coming back once again as the chief of police. This is a movie that I I listen, Bad the Bad Boys franchises, I know there are huge fanboys of the Bad Boys franchise. 
and I I enjoy Michael Bay movies again. I, I to me the the Transformers trilogy that consists of Shia LaBeouf is to me a guilty pleasure of mine. Specifically two and three. I was I was a, a kid slash young teenager coming to my own, and, and I just love those movies for what they are. I the fourth and fifth one they're both atrocious. And I'm sure people feel the same way about two and three, but that's near the hero near there. Excuse me. For Bad Boys. This is it's another crazy thing. Well, it's not being directed by Michael Bay. The first two were directed by Bay. This is a movie that I didn't need. I didn't I wasn't anticipating. But the last two trailers for me have got me psyched to see Bad Boys for Life. It th- this is probably going to be a awful movie. There's a reason this movie's coming out in January. That when you have these two actors, there's a reason for it. This probably movie is probably going to be I don't know about atrocious, but it's not going to be the best thing in the world. It's not going to be close to what the first bad boy was. Maybe along the lines of what the thir- the second bad boy was, or maybe even a little less than. But I'll be damned if I didn't enjoy myself with these last two trailers. It just, to me, seeing the chemistry of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith once again, it, it's something special. And I, the first two bad boy movies are on Netflix right now, and I watched them over the last few weeks. And to me, the chemistry that those two have is just, it's inseparable. And it makes me want to see another one with the two of them, even though they're a little bit older and not the young bloods that they were when they made the first two movies. But still, just just that chemistry, and I think the notion that they are older, and you can play on that a little bit more, is something that you can springboard off of. I think is really, really cool and interesting. And you have the young bloods of Ludwig and Vanessa Hutchins kind of contrasting with Lawrence and Smith and I love that and just I always get a kick out of the two of them together and, and I was laughing out loud a few times with some of the jokes which are probably dumb but I enjoy them especially the way that if Lawrence and Smith can deliver that together I'm all in for it the action looks incredible it's crazy bananas I, I'm I'm in for this it's gonna be stupid probably I'll probably gonna come out saying eh, it was it was okay but I'll be damned if I didn't have fun with these two trailers and come out thinking, you know what? I'm going to have fun when it comes out on January 17th of 2020. And again, January date doesn't get you really excited about a movie as you don't know what you're going to get with a January movie. It, it, it's going to be hit or miss. And I hope it's more of a of a, of a hit rather than a miss for Bad Boys for Life. Guys, what do you think of the trailer for Bad Boys 3? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Real quick, I just want to get into another trailer that happened it was one with Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson, two MCU alum, and it's also starring Nicholas Holt, directed by George Nolfi. It is called The Banker, which is the true story of two American entrepreneurs, Bernard Garrett and Joe Morse, who during the 1950s tried to circumvent the racial limitations of the era and take on the establishment by recruiting a working-class white man, Matt Steiner, played by Nicholas Holt, and trained him to pose as the head of their business empire while they posed as a janitor and a chauffeur, and it's a take really on the uh, on real estate and housing and, and bringing back to the diverse and of African-American people during that time period of segregation. And this is coming out on Apple TV Plus, and to me, I'm interested in it, especially now that I have Apple Apple TV Plus with everything that's coming out with the streaming wars picking up, and uh, Apple released four new shows last week with Dickinson and The Morning Show and C and For All Mankind, and now it's going to put out some more TV shows, but also it's going to be putting out some movies, and this is one of them. And I, I love the chemistry between Samuel Jackson and Anthony Mackie, along with Nicholas Holt, who form a kind of Three Musketeers in a way that's really, really cool and really 
really interesting, and I really enjoy that. And and to see this cast come along and tell a a cool but serious story at the same time, I really enjoy that. And it, it's it's a modern day, not a modern day Robin Hood, but it's a it's a fifties take on Robin Hood that I'm looking forward to. And I think the chemistry between the two leads are a big draw. So I'm excited again. Nothing ex- ex- crazy, but still, I'm I'm excited to see where the banker goes. Guys, what do you think about the trailer for The Banker? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to move over to some big news coming out of the Disney landscape that has more specifically to do with Frozen 2, Disney's next big film coming out to wrap up 2019. We all know that the year that the Walt Disney Studios has had between Captain Marvel, Aladdin, Avengers Endgame, you also have The Lion King, Toy Story 4, Maleficent even has starting to kind of turn a little bit more of a profit, more so with the help overseas and here domestically, but still a big, a big enough profit that it won't be along the lines of where Dumbo has landed, where that was really has been the big dud for Disney so far out of the nine or so movies that have come out in 2019 and having a record-breaking summer. The first film that they came out with, or rather, the second film they came out with before Captain Marvel was the only really dud that they've had so far in terms of financially. And it seems their next film, Frozen 2, is going to continue the trend that happened over the summertime and pick Disney back up to really go out with the swing in the holiday movie season, with 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 a, a huge swing, a big poppy type swing, in which they're going to be hitting it out of the park. So I, I talked about it when Frozen Two t- tickets went on sale on Monday. That I'm interested to see what kind of records, pre-sale wise, that Frozen Two is going to break. Is it going to break any animation records on Fandango or AMC? What what's going to happen over this next week or the, these next few weeks? And even though. I, I hold some somewhat dear the the pre the pre tracking sales of a lot of these records that are broken, but you still get people that go into the box office, and you they go during the during the actual weekend, which for Frozen Two it's November twenty second the movie comes out on, which is only a few weeks away if you think about it, and so I think you still need to take those into account, but still pre tracking gives you an indication, even if it's the slightest bit of indication of what people. Are, are rushing to and if it really is if there is hype around this movie and boy is there ever hype for this movie as what i came what i spoke really about has come to fruition as according to fandango and eric davis over at fandango one of the managing editors at fandango frozen 2 there's two parts of this in it's 24 hours it is the fastest selling animated film coming in at number one eclipsing toy story 4 which came out this year incredibles 2 Finding Dory and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Two of excuse me, three of those five all came out in the summertime. And if Frozen 2 were to come out, it would be the highest grossing animated film in for a non-summer film. Especially box office analysts have the film now trending upwards over a hundred million dollars, more toward $125 million plus. That speaks volumes of where people's mindsets at are, especially for the holidays and Thanksgiving and what people want to do when they get families around. It looks like it's going to be more along the lines of of people going out and experiencing Frozen 2 in the sequel with Anna and Elsa. And really, the first film was a cultural phenomenon, and it really hasn't died. And, it hasn't, and it's stayed in the space in people's minds very positively, there hasn't really been a negative effect on the culture that Frozen has really 
been accustomed to between the merchandising and, and the short films that come out with the, with Frozen and the the toys and so many things that come out with Frozen. The song is like, let it go. It's... It's a cultural theme, and, and the Disney parks that incorporate Frozen 2, or excuse me, not just Frozen 2, but Frozen elements in general of the franchise, people are not getting enough of it. They're, they're enjoying it. And what's interesting is that Eric Davis said that film fans can't wait to hear the instantly memorable Frozen 2 songs and enjoy the surprising new adventures of Anna, Elsa, and Olaf. It's a Thanksgiving season tradition to gather at the multiplex for a Disney film. And based on the sensational ticket sales for Frozen 2 on Fandango, it's clear that families and friends are making their holiday movie-going plans now. The same thing can be said for Adam tickets as Frozen 2 is eclipsing Toy Story 4 and Incredibles 2 as the the first-rated, first-day animated bestsellers. Also on the first day in the 24 hours, Frozen 2 on Adam tickets outstripped the live-action remakes of both The Lion King, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast. All three of those movies grossed over a billion dollars at the box office. And before even before The Lion King came out, Beauty and the Beast was the highest-grossing live-action retelling of any of these movies that have come out like Aladdin and what and so forth. And Lion King outstripped that now over a billion and a half to $1.6, $1.7 billion at the worldwide box office this year. That's saying a lot. And Frozen 2 is trending as Adam's also second largest pre-sale film for holiday, the holidays, trailing behind Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Frozen 2 is ranked in Adam's top five most anticipated films of the fall movie season. So again, there's people are getting ready to see this movie, that people are making it their case and i think also when we go along the fact line that disney is very prominent around this time of year they know how to market for the for the holiday season they are the, the i think the masters of of getting people out during the holiday times especially to their theme parks and to buy merchandise for them during the holiday season it's there and today alone today came more news from fandango in which eric davis came in and said that frozen 2 is unstoppable We've been, they have been crunching the numbers, and they apparently have been reporting that in the first 20, 48 hours now, two days later, since the ticket sales came on sale for Frozen 2, the film has sold more tickets than Toy Story 4 did in its first week of pre-sales. I'm quoting from Eric Davis, as well as The Lion King, this year's live-action retelling of The Lion King, directed by John Favreau, in its first week of pre-sales as well. That is huge news for Frozen 2, breaking another record another 24 hours later, in which when we look at the first opening weekend for both Toy Story 4 and The Lion King, Toy Story 4 opened up to, at the time, a very soft quote-unquote opening of $120 million, and then Lion King almost eclipsed $200 million, which during at the beginning of 2019, some people thought was possible. I was one of those people as well. However, it was $10 million short of eclipsing that, but still, it grossed $190 million, $191 million to be exact, on its opening weekend. And though I remember working at the movie theaters during those time periods, it was packed with families left and right going to different theaters for Toy Story 4 and The Lion King. And if this is any indication, The Lion King, excuse me, not The Lion King, Frozen 2, is going to have a monster opening. Right now, if this is the case, it could potentially fall within the box office prognosticator's sale of $125 million plus, also falling more along the lines of eclipsing going in between that number or potentially getting to $2 million, $200 million opening weekend at the box office. 
Is that possible? It, that, that's a question that I'm posing to everybody. Is it possible that $200 million is at play for Frozen 2? Because, again, as a male, I am for sure seeing Frozen 2 on its opening weekend, at least. Maybe not opening night. I have to see what I'm doing. I could see it opening night for all I know. But I'm definitely going opening weekend to see Frozen 2. It is, without a doubt, one of the most anticipated movies of 2019. One of the most anticipated movies of the fall movie season, of the holiday movie season. It's highly anticipated by families, by especially in the female demographic. When you have people that want to grow up like Anna, like Elsa, and, and that female empowerment that they both that they both give to, to girls and to women, it's there. And, and I think you have people that will want to go out over and over and over again and I, I was reading an article from scott mendelson over at forbes and he said something very interesting where frozen 2 is coming out on november 22nd was the first frozen in 2013 came out thanksgiving weekend and over the thanksgiving weekend the, the extended weekend the film grossed 93 million dollars while over the first the first three days that frozen came out it grossed right around 67 million dollars at the box office What's interesting with Scott, what Scott Mendelson was saying is that Frozen 2 doesn't have to bust out right at the gate. It could still open to around $120 million for what Toy Story grows, which would still be tremendous for a a film that is a non – think about this – a non-summer animated film that isn't Pixar, that is Disney Animation Studios, which is – that that's what other people have to get as well. This is not Pixar. Disney Animation Studios is its own branch in Disney Studios. And the highest grossing opening weekend for a Disney Animation Studio film is Utopia, which came out in 2016, which is an original film. This is a sequel to a highly f cultural phenomenon franchise IP that is coming from Disney that people will be wanting to uh, attend and to actually go out and, 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 to, attend, and, and to attend Frozen 2. And so when... The film, when the first one came out in 2013, it was a film that was just that that again was a cultural phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon that 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 wasn't able to match it, and so when when Frozen Two could be, looks like it's going to eclipse this, what Scott Mendelson is saying is that it doesn't have to, it can break wide and, and do those numbers. But at the same time, it still has a Thanksgiving weekend to attend. Where you only have films such as Queen and Slim and really Knives Out is really the big film that's coming out Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving weekend on in, in, on Wednesday. Frozen 2 is probably going to dominate the competition and probably dominate until Rise of Skywalker comes out on, on December 20th. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Jumanji is probably going to take number one before Rise of Skywalker the following weekend because Jumanji the next level comes out on December 13th. So Frozen 2 will have the stage set to probably be beaten by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart and Jack Black and the crew once Jumanji the next level comes out. But for a good padding of time, Frozen 2 is going to be the champion at the box office. And especially for Thanksgiving Day weekend, it can surge to high levels because that is when you will get the families together. Maybe you want to take the the grandparents out with the family and go out and make this a huge experience after Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving when you've had your turkey and your stuffing and you're all stuffed to the belly and you want to go out and experience an adventure, a fun family adventure like that during the holiday times. It fits. Disney knows how to market, market holiday adventures out with the family. They know how to do it. And that's when it can break big at the box office. That's when you see the whoa. 
especially if, if Frozen Two does make that 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 120 million dollars, which is still a great amount of money, but still, but doesn't dip as much, or if it can exceed 120 million dollars its second weekend, or drop to 110, 100 million dollars at the box office, 95 even, that's still incredible, and I think especially if it makes around that that's that margin again it's still going to pop off the screen and make people go whoa this film is is resonating with people still and that it's going to have long substantial legs which is what the first frozen had it didn't when people look at 1.3 billion dollars it didn't make that money right away it what it had the legs to do it it had the the capacity to extend into december to january to even february for that matter, and so I think for Frozen 2, it's going to have a little bit of a tougher competition towards the end of the year, but I think if they're able, which Disney can market this right for November 22nd and Thanksgiving Day weekend, that is where the big circle is going to be around, where they can make the bulk of their money. I think those are the two indications of where Frozen 2 is going to land at this year's box office and for animation film box office and where it's going to rank in terms of giving Disney the supreme that it's been having for a majority of the entire year. So this is going to be exciting to see. I'm extremely excited to see how how this is going to all play out. Can Frozen 2 gross at $2 billion at the box office? I think I think it's that's a little out there, but it couldn't might not be. Am I going to be overreacting on that? Are people overreacting on that maybe? Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think you guys think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now moving on to some news coming from the Harry Potter world. Fantastic Beasts 3 is now officially making its way into production. According to Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling will be back to write the script for Fantastic Beasts 3, which has no title as of yet. It will start production in May of 2020. Part of the film will be taking place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Comedian actor Jessica Williams, who was appeared briefly in the second film, Crimes of Grindelwald, will have a much bigger role this time around. Eddie Redmayne will be coming back along with Jude Law. You're also going to be having Ezra Miller back as well, along with Johnny Depp as Gerald Grindelwald. David Yates will be returning once again to the Harry Potter Wizarding World, reteaming with David Heyman, J.K. Rowling, Steve Cloves, and a plethora of other producers along the way. Also, Steve Cloves won't be just coming back as a producer, but also a writer, and has written every single one of the Harry Potter films, the Harry Potter films that came out with Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, but the only one he didn't write was Order of the Phoenix, and that's not my favorite Harry Potter film, but they're all great, they're all really good to great movies, but Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix is not my favorite one, and maybe that's one of the reasons why. But to me, Steve Cloves could help J.K. Rowling write Fantastic Beasts 3, and I think help elevate the source material for this. Because to me, I, I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and I think I'm more along the lines a fan of the movies. I grew up with them. Harry Potter and Deathly House Part 2 will always have a near and dear place to my heart because that was the first midnight screening that I ever went to it was an experience that I will always hold to my heart and will be one of the greatest memories of my life going with my best friends to that movie and experiencing the finale of something that I've known since my childhood really even though Harry Potter is associated with Halloween I also associated with the the holiday times and family and whenever Christmas not even Christmas but the holiday times roll, roll around as well I always pop in Harry Potter and experience the journey that the the boy who lived experiences in saving the Wizarding World, and so when it was announced that these Fantastic Beasts movies would be coming out, 
I was a little skeptical because I, to me, the Harry Potter franchise ended on such a great note, and I know that Warner Brothers wants to. They have a franchise. They've made them billions of dollars. They want to keep milking it out, and so I can't blame them for that. And you have J.K. Rowling who's running. You have David Yates who is coming back, who has been around since 2007 with The Wizarding World, directing Order of the Phoenix, and he finished off the Harry Potter franchise, taking over and finishing it off on a high note, and he comes back and starts up this franchise, and he's back once again. And to me, the first Fantastic Beasts movie, I thought it was good. I, it was it felt different than than the Harry Potter universe that I was accustomed to, and then the Fantastic Be- and the Crimes of Grindelwald came out the second one, and I and J.K. Rowling was trying to kind of de kind of universify it in a way that was setting things up for future films, and she tried to get back into incorporating Dumbledore and McGonagall and 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 instances that we know of the Harry Potter universe and make it feel more Harry Potterish, but it just felt stuffed and and overstuffed with Harry Potter references that. We're just too on the nose and too inside the ballpark. And even for me, they were too inside the ballpark a little bit as well. And I think that that is one thing that she, that she really needs to work on. And she is a great writer. I mean, the universe that she created, look at it, the, the Wizarding World with Harry Potter. But I think what, we are, what we've seen is that she needs help with scripting a film. That she's a great writer, but she doesn't know how to be a script writer. There's a reason that you have writers... And then there's a reason they're called script writers. If they were all the same, they would have all jumbled the moment together. But writing a script is different than writing a novel. Writing a novel, you have you can flesh out all these worlds and all these details. Whereas with a script, you only have a certain amount of time. I don't. You can't write a script for even though it's being done now with three three and a half hour movies with Avengers Endgame and Irishman. But still, the you you can't write a three hundred page script. That would be a ten plus hour movie that we would be getting and so i think with what when it comes to that a thousand pages two thousand pages you can't you, you don't have enough pages to flesh out a whole world and invite bite all these chapters you have to really dumb it down and get to really the basics and i think bringing steve close back on who knows this universe and done did a tremendous job with the harry potter universe i think is a huge benefit for her that she can rely on that script writing element while still kind of flowing through with this and don't get me wrong i will go see this movie i i'm not excited about it the, the crimes of grindelwald didn't really leave me with the, the greatest taste in my mouth but i'm still looking forward to these movies i'm i am indebted to them not to fantastic beasts but to the harry potter universe i enjoy the cast eddie raymane elizabeth washington i i, I love this cast jude law i want to see more of him as dumbledore I, I felt like we were we were given less of him than we were marketed for but these films have made profits, not billion-dollar profits, but the first one made over $800 million. And the second one, while not decreased a lot more, it only made $653 million. It's going to be interesting to see, are people going to want to come back for this for this third installment, or are people off the boat already? Are they just going to cut their losses down and just remember what we got with the first Harry Potter? Let me know, guys, if you think that is the case, if, we're going to, if people are going to be on board for this Harry Potter film, let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And the last few things I want to get to real quick. One is some news coming about about a Dune sequel in the works. Screenwriter John Stippis is reportedly leaving the HBO Max series that would have been a spinoff of the film that is being directed by Denny Villeneuve. And it would, be, it would have been called Dune the Sisterhood that would have been on HBO Max. But 
Stipidus is leaving HBO Max and the Dune Sisterhood for the sequel to focus on that to the film that is being directed by Villeneuve, who is a revered filmmaker, has not directed a bad film to date. He directed Blade 2049, Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners. This guy has been on a roll, and he has a stacked cast to come with him for Dune, Timothy Chalamet, Jason, you have Jason Momoa. Oscar Isaac, the list goes on and on and on for who you have. Those are just some of the names I have off the top of my head right now. You have Zendaya in in, in the film as well. The, the list goes on and on for who is on the Dune film, but it's going to be split up into two parts, Dune, because of how dense the book is. You can't fit it all. Like I was saying before with Jacob Rowling and how she's a writer, she's able to flesh out these worlds. With Dune, you can flesh out the world in a book, but in a script, you can't do all that in a four- to five-hour movie. So they're going to be breaking it up into parts, kind of like what they did with it, with it in Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, because that Stephen King novel is so dense. And I love the fact that with Dune, they are focusing on the movies, the main movies that they want to get people to see. And I think with Dune the Sisterhood, I think that's something you can focus on after you get the two movies out. After you finish up this main story and you get people invested in the universe, because you don't want to start out the first movie, have that be a good success, but you still don't have people maybe come towards the the first film or, or towards the TV shows. Or maybe the first film does do that well. Maybe Denny Villeneuve has another Blade Runner's hands and people don't go see Dune and it bombs at the box office. Then you don't have people that are interested in this franchise and so you're making something that you could be spending on money on other projects instead of dune so i think if you focus on just the dune story and say if dune makes it money and it, it absolutely explodes at the box office people love it critics love it it's a hit then you go into the second part people are interested in the storyline and you finish that out with the bang as well then you can expand on this universe that people want to see more in and really tell more storylines that you want to and expand on these nav- novels and adapt them because they are rich to be adapted but you got to get people interested in it and i think that's the way to do it instead of focusing on let's make the first one and then let's make an hbo show and then we can focus back on the dune sequel make both of them i don't know about back to back per se but you make the first one see how it goes and then you get ready for the second film. Now, I, I do believe Denny Villeneuve, if the first film is a success, they will he'll be back on to direct the second film in the Dune storyline, which I think would be really, really cool. Guys, what do you think? Are you happy to see that they're focusing more on the Dune story and the Dune movie than kind of expanding the universe before anything happens? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Then the final thing I want to get to is to talk about Disney+. Plus. We are a little less than a week away, six days away, from Disney Plus, we had there's so many things to look forward to. We're getting announcements all across the board from Disney Plus as they have, they have kicked marketing up to a high. I get Twitter for notifications every single day for new announcements that are coming out, new trailers for documentaries and new TV shows like The Mandalorian, High School Musical, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, Encore, the Imagineer documentary about the Imagineers in Disney Parks. I cannot wait for Disney Plus and the streaming wars are already into effect with Apple TV Plus now in effect after launching last week. Now we get Disney Plus coming out in less than a week launching. And one of the announcements that came out beforehand weeks and weeks and months ago was that Avengers Endgame was definitely going to be making its way. And all the movies that have come out in 2019 this year between Aladdin, Captain Marvel, which is going to be on launch 
on November 12th, Aladdin, Lion King, Toy Story 4, all those Will Frozen 2, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, all of those Maleficent Missions of Evil, all of these movies that Disney has come out with this year will be making their way on the streaming service over the next few months as they finish off their theatrical runs and then hit the streaming service. And that's one of the main reasons that Disney has decided to come out with a lot of these movies this year is to kind of get people ready for the streaming service. And one of the films that was supposed to come out in December will now be pushed back and will be coming out, or not even pushed back, but pushed forward to hit the streaming service a month early and will be coming out on launch date, Avengers Endgame, the finale to the Infinity Saga, the 22 wrap-up of this incredible story arc will be hitting the Disney streaming service, Disney Plus, on November 12th at launch, so you won't have to worry about watching Avengers Infinite Endgame right away, or if you watch Captain Marvel and want to watch Avengers Endgame right after, as it's a nice, nice lead way into that film, you can watch it right away, as it will be there, you can watch all your favorite moments to begin with when you hit Disney Plus right away, and I think that's a smart move for them, as this Avengers Endgame has... It's hit all the cycles. It's hit its DVD, DVD and home theater sales. It's gone through its theatrical run. There's really no reason to to delay Avengers Endgame and make you want to make it something you want to see at launch. You want to get people ready to go right in the beginning, not wait a month and say, if people are looking for that, you get them going right away along with The Mandalorian and all these other great shows and movies that Disney has in their vault and in the wings. And I think with Avengers Endgame... You also get the factor that it doesn't it doesn't have to go to Netflix, whereas a lot of these other movies like Black Panther, Avengers, Infinity War, they're gonna be Thor Ragnarok, they're gonna be making their way to the service next year because they have to finish out their run with Netflix before going on to Disney Plus, as they can't be especially since they're gonna be competing against one another, they don't wanna be both be on the same service. So with Avengers Endgame, even though Infinity War is on Netflix right now and have to wait before it's off Netflix to go to Disney Plus, it'll still be able to have that finale film, and then maybe if you have Netflix, go watch Infinity War, and then go watch Disney Plus, and watch Avengers Endgame, so you get both of them, and kind of creates an interesting dichotomy between the two companies that I'm sure they're not even looking at, but I think it's really, really cool to see this, and I'm happy about it, I'll definitely be watching Avengers Endgame along with watching The Mandalorian and all the other shows and just checking out what Disney Plus has to offer. They're marketing up The Mandalorian, the marketing up The Lady and the Tramp. There's so much that they're revving up on it. It's hit an all-time fever pitch. As again, this there was announcements and first details about Disney Plus in March, and now we are just days away, hours away, from Disney Plus launching for everyone to finally witness in the next few days. But guys, what do you think about Avengers Endgame hitting Disney Plus on November 12th? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. That's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Cell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network and make sure to tune in to their other amazing shows such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and check out Goal Driven Professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent services and businesses. You can check them out on their websites, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, -S -S -E and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell, also on the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, 